Hello and you're very welcome to the Meat Chronicles Sports Podcast Talk A Good Game. I'm Fergal Lynch and once again joined here with in studio by Mr. Jimmy Gagan. Jimmy, you're very welcome. Thank you, Fergal. Jimmy, another action-packed weekend, very busy weekend on the sporting front on all scenes really. Um, plenty for us to digest today but probably the biggest story of the weekend and one that will go down in history uh, not just in Mead or not just in Ireland, but internationally in the horse racing scene, the success of Tiger Roll becoming the first horse since Red Rum won two in a row back in the 70s. You'd, you'd remember that. You would have celebrated uh, Red Rum's <laughs> victories back in the 70s. But Tiger Roll, barely remember that, yeah. Tiger Roll becoming the first horse since Red Rum to win back-to-back Aintree Grand Nationals. A phenomenal achievement. Did, did you get to see the race? I didn't uh, see it, Fergal. I was out and about... Uh, uh, covering rugby and then a uh, senior football match, Dunboyne against Curraha on on Saturday afternoon. Fergal, so I, unfortunately I didn't see any of yeah, the I was at the national a, live. I was at Navanamani's and Centralstown myself and Walterstown, and just got back into the car in time for the uh, for the closing stages of the race. And mm. I, I was kind of worried. I'd been talking to a few people earlier on in the week, and we were talking about you know, did you have a bet in the Grand National? Normally everybody has a bet in the Grand National, and it's a case of stick a pin in it. But um, to to find your winner, but no, while everybody was saying what a great horse Tiger Roll was, nobody was really mentioning that they're going to back him because probably because he He's was on a, back a, at four to one. You're thinking, how can you back a horse at, at four to so one? On. You know, over four mile or more than four miles, and over those hurdle over those fences, it's four to one on. Uh, four, no, he was a four to one sorry, on. Sorry, no, he's four to one. Yeah, but on a yeah. Euro, Jimmy, and you would have got five back. Right, four okay, new yeah, ones yeah. and your and well, the old one. Well, he wasn't bad at that, was he? For such a re- for no, somebody. But the fact that there's so many obstacles, thirty obstacles in front of you, huge big obstacles in front of front of the horses to try and get round, and it's over four miles, uh, a really testing course and a difficult day. It really is, or should be, any one a bit of a lottery that any one of 10, 15 horses would have fancied really fancied their chances. So for Tiger Roll to be going in at only four to one, people were saying, ah, you know, it's. You know he's not backable. He's not backable. But if you got four to one in your very, bank, it was a very good price actually yeah. for for yeah. such a strong. Uh, no, he he is a very he's a remarkable horse it seems because he's an extremely intelligent horse. Yeah, and he's also a small horse. Very small. Uh, yeah, his stature it's amazing. His engine must be incredible. But uh, I heard Davy Russell talking yesterday about him and uh, how intelligent he is and how he before the race he was walking around and his name was called out and he uh, perked up, you know, as if he knew his name. Yeah, he does. Davy said that, that he, he believes he knows his name, that yes. he answers to Tiger. Yeah, he does. <laughs> yeah. He said uh, in, in the yard as well from the go around to say, good morning, Tiger, you know, and uh, yeah. he uh, his head goes up, you know. So he's, he sounds a remarkable horse and Davy Russell is a remarkable uh, a writer as well because um, you know his mother is from Kells yeah and uh, you know and then obviously we had uh, Gordon Elliott um, as a trainer so yeah, a very strong me connection there and and Davy you know worked at his gate he wasn't he he went through some tough times when things weren't going his way but he kept at it kept at it uh, the thing is I don't think they're going to go for the third next year it doesn't sound like they're going to go for that uh, yeah Michael but I'd Leary say now and, you know and, if, and if, if they go to Cheltenham again and they, and he, he comes out of Cheltenham as well as he came out of Cheltenham this year after winning the cross country it'd be very difficult for them not to put him in and see can they emulate Red Rum's achievement of three Grand Nations of course yeah. Red Rum didn't do three in a row he had a couple of years where he finished second I think well, he, I think he yeah, was first was, first was second second between, and then yeah. And no, then, he didn't and do then the won it again, but uh, he it still pro- won three Grand Nationals. So there's that, the only horse to ever do it. So there's that carrot there 
yeah, uh, it would for be tempting, Tiger Road. But, uh, yeah. From what I, from what uh, Davy was suggesting yesterday, it doesn't seem like they they will go uh, with the with for the three in a row. Perhaps it's asking too much of the horse because you know he's he's done he's done his his bit as yeah, it were. Still a class act though. Still a beautiful horse, a class act, and still only nine year old. He's got plenty of years left in him to to go around entry. And I think next year, if he's good enough still, which it's hard to see him not being good enough with the three three results now he had in the Boyne Hurdle in Navan, the cross country in Cheltenham, and now the Grand National in Aintree again, it's hard to see him not being good enough in 12 months' time to, to repeat that dose again. And I know they're kind of saying, you know, okay, he won't, he won't, we won't put him forward for it again, but I'd say... The temptation, if he comes out of Cheltenham good next year, the temptation will Perhaps. be for him to go again. It's yeah. also Gordon Elliott. What a remarkable achievement. Never Absolutely. seen Gordon as emotional. And I've seen Gordon uh, emotional a few times. Um, Gordon, of course, from Summerhill. We, we'd know Gordon well. Uh, of course, he's two-time Mead Chronicle Sports Person of the Year. Uh, won it in 2007, which coincided with his first ever victory in the Grand National uh, with Silver Birch. Gordon was only a young trainer starting out at that time, mm. really launched his career. Hadn't won much, yeah. And then on Friday, on Friday at Aintree, you know, not long after just his 40th birthday, he saddled his 50th group one, grade one winner. You know, remarkable achievement for such yes, a young man coming from a small area. 50 grade one winners, three grand national winners now. He's, he's just won a lot. He really is a remarkable, remarkable Yeah, whatever remarkable it is, trainer. it's the same with football managers. I've, I've often wondered about that myself. You know, you, you have a group of players, you have a group of horses, uh, you yeah, know, and yeah. it's about getting the best out of them, about understanding temperament, about understanding their strengths and weaknesses and yeah. how, to, how to deal with each individual. And I often associate myself, I often associate managers with tra- horse trainers and how they... they this seem to be and I've suggested to both as well over the years horses and <laughs> the <laughs> trainers and the, ma- and the managers oh the trainers uh, that, that, that their job is very similar and they agree with that you know yeah, it's, yeah. It's well, if, you, if you haven't got the materials you haven't got the ingredients you can't bake the cake Jimmy isn't that that's isn't it. that what Margot will say to you yeah. <laughs> yeah. when I am baking the cake <laughs> yeah. but, but uh, uh, it, it, it was great to hear the emotional aspect of it after the race as well you know Davy Russell paid tribute to everybody and he, he remembered a lot of people that you know in the heat of of the end of such a such an amazing battle and such a huge occasion for him that his memory should go to other people is remarkable and the same with with Gordon Elliott as well Gordon paid tribute to his uncle Willie uh, who died not so long ago as well Willie was a huge inf- influence on Gordon's career as he said himself he used to bring him point to point and yes. and so and he used to say that you know that grand, or Gordon said after it that Grand National was for him, that was for his uncle Willie. He said yeah. it was a great day. It was brilliant to come home to Summerhill two years in a row, parade Tiger Roll through the village. Which unfortunately, he was a big crowd there. We all saw that sure, on the Me Chronicle. I think or, you, you, you look at the Me Chronicle Facebook, a huge crowd there. Which imagine what the crowd would have been like. If Summerhill weren't playing at the same time in the Senior Football Championship well, in Dunshockland, uh, I thought it maybe it could have been pushed out a little bit further to yeah. let everybody join in. But you you mentioned there about the um, the emotion, how emotional he was. 
But I think we can't underestimate the pressure th- they were under because Davy Russell again uh, referred to that the, the huge pressure he was under uh, in the lead up to the game because he was he was Race, riding yeah. the, the favourite. Yeah. Uh, you know he knew there was a lot of money on a lot of people expecting him to do it to do the business again. So you know it's a massive weight off his shoulder now that he has done that, and I'm sure it's the same with uh, Gordon because Gordon he, he got a bit of flack there because he had so many runners uh, yeah. in in the national anyway. But 13, he got a bit, I think. He, yeah. uh, or 12 or 11 I think was it, was it, but anyway there was um, um, uh, you know a huge amount of pressure on him I think in that respect too and uh, naturally we, we tend to forget about that that uh, you know these guys uh, there's expectations on them from punters from um, owners uh, and to deliver on the big stage and especially, and it doesn't get much bigger, of course, than the national. And there's so many obstacles, so many challenges, so many difficulties to have to get through to get to the winning post. And uh, but uh, it's Tiger Roll and Davy Russell, and um, certainly did the business on and, on Saturday. And and another remarkable, I suppose, statistic or another remarkable fact to come out of the race is the fact that uh, really, uh, I suppose, you could claim it to be a Summer Hill one-two. Um, Jessica Harrington, of course, had um, saddled a second place in the Grand National as right, well. Yes. So it, it really was. A, uh, she, of course, from Summerhill, as we've already mentioned, he, Gordon he Elliott. Want, yeah, Gordon yeah, Elliott been from Summerhill. I know both, neither of them actually train in Summerhill, but uh, with, with uh, Jessica Harrington is down in Moon and um, Gordon out in Longwood. But it, it really is remarkable that two people from from such a small village or, or, or in the surrounds of a small village could could yeah, get well the one two in the Grand National. Of course Jessica's was that magical light was second at sixty six to one. It was just two and three quarter lengths behind Tiger Road, so there was nothing mm. really in it. But uh, well, we have such a, a rich tradition in horse racing in this county. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, it's Gavin amazing. Cromwell is, lives quite close to me, and of course he won the the champion hurdle in in, in Cheltenham. So as well, uh, yeah. yeah. So uh, yeah, it's it's a uh, it was a good a good. Uh, it's been a good few weeks for Mead Connections, all right, um, and especially for Tiger Roll. Again, what a remarkable horse. And we also, as I alluded to there earlier on, I missed the race, missed the start of the race because I was out in uh, in Waterstown, but it was it was well worth a uh, trip to Waterstown. Jimmy, I know you've got uh, special connections to Waterstown, but it was good to get out there for the start of the Mead Senior Football Championship for a my 22nd year starting covered in the Mead Senior Football Championship so I've seen a lot of games come and go but the one in Walterstown on Saturday was a good one wasn't wasn't uh, certainly wasn't the worst game I've ever seen with Navin Amatonese holding on to overcome Centralstown by 2-11 to 1-11 um, Amatonese looked good there was parts of that game where they looked really really good and they moved the ball well and they have a, a fella there now who's transferred over from Galway um, I think he's teaching up in Dublin but living out in Johnstown Oshin O'Brien uh, he was sensational. He really was sensational. He scored two two for them, but uh, still had a huge reliance on reliance on on veteran players. And uh, Stephen Bray scored three points. And down the other end of the field, Niall McCaig was was a colossus. And Niall got black carded late on in the game, and his departure from the game nearly you know Centristown grew in belief when Niall McCaig went out, and they started to create a few more chances. And one stage, of Matinees were ten points up. Uh, and then when Niall had to go off with, with uh, he dragged down Dylan Keaton to prevent him getting through for a goal chance no no disputing the, the black card there so he had to go but 
Sanchestown mm. rattled off a few points then to well, get it back to within three. I, w- I will remind you, Fergal, that I have gone for Mahonies to win the senior. Of course uh, you have, Jimmy, yeah. yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> but there was a, a controversial moment uh, late in the in the first half where Navin Mahonies' Gary O'Brien was showing a red card. Um, now, I, I saw the incident myself and I kind of moved on from it because I followed the play. And it was a, a few moments later before the referee actually went back. At the time, I didn't think it was overly excessive I, I suppose I didn't think it was there was a red card incident and then I was even more surprised then that when the red card was produced it was flashed at Gary O'Brien because Gary didn't seem to be uh, involved in whatever bit of an incident the referee and his officials saw now Kevin Riley was remonstrating with the referee after the game um, about the decision to send off Gary O'Brien and, and uh, Bernard Heaney the referee had said that told uh, Kevin in, in no uncertain terms that his his umpire saw fists been used so um, Kevin's point was well, he didn't think that Gary O'Brien was involved in it look we've a, I have a little clip of audio uh, spoke to Kevin Riley after the game and uh, got his views on how O'Mahony's you know held on for the win and what a crucial win it was but also um, he, had, he had a few words to say about the officials and how he had hoped they might review the situation so uh, we'll just have a listen to what Kevin had to say here. Um, probably a bit nervier there in the last 10 minutes than you, than you would have expected or considering you were 10 points up at one stage. Yeah, um, I suppose, but that's championship and that's the beauty of the Mead championship is that anything can happen in any game and, um, you know, everybody's in with a shout. You know, the championship here is so attritional, um, you know, and the beauty about it is that there's not too much between any team. Um, and you know we saw that today, and a great spectacle of football, I think. Yeah. You managed the, the sending off of Gary O'Brien pretty much okay, but when Niall McCaig went off, then they started to have a little bit more of a, a threat in there, didn't they? Um, ah, look, they were always going to have a spell. Um, I think when um, you know, especially with that lead the way um, it was, with a couple of minutes to go, we were always going to be threatening, threatening, and it was going to lead to an exciting finish, um, of course. But um, we're we're happy enough that we got on the right side of it in the end. You played some brilliant football as well. I know Shane O'Brien is a real, a real coup for you to get, and, and but overall, your football, you have to be pleased with the way your football. But um, accepting as well that you know you're capable of better. Yeah, um, the whole panel, uh, their credit uh, to themselves, to the families and, and the club. Um, this year, it's been, it's it's been amazing the effort um, put in by by all the lads, um, and it's great that um, it's manifesting in in results so far. Um, obviously, it's a long long road, and we've a lot of football still to play. But um, in fairness to the to the effort of that group. Um, you know, one to one to forty-seven and, and beyond. Mm. Um, it's it's um, you know it's fantastic to have such a great bunch of lads. We're talking to the referee. There is there some concern about maybe misidentification or or were you questioning the, the red card? Or? I think there was a major mistake made today, um, and I'd like the officials to have a good look at it. Um, and I suppose that's all I'll, I'll have the, to say on that. In terms, terms of, of the well, well, or? in terms of the incident and the player, I think they got a wrong on both accounts. Um, but again, look, it's in the heat of championship, there's it's it's pressurised. Um, mistakes are made, and I think there was a major one there um, that had a major impact on the game. Let's be honest about it. Um, now, thankfully, we came out the right side of it. Um, it could have been different down to that lack of. Uh, judgment, um, but you'd like them to have a look at it again.
So as you could hear there, Jimmy, you know, Kevin was, uh, he was grateful that the sending off didn't have a, a negative impact on the result. Um, I, I dread to think what his reaction might have been mm. if Sanchestown had caught them on the line, which, you know, if the game had gone on another five or six minutes, maybe yeah. there might have been. Yeah, Kevin, he seemed pretty adamant there, didn't he? That, uh, uh, well, that f- first, first of all, that two, in the, the, uh, the the player who was identified, Gary, it wasn't the player actually who who might have committed yeah. some whatever offence that was committed, if there was an offence committed. But you know, so there seems to be. Uh, I don't know how they're going to work that out unless they have video evidence. So how you know? Uh, I think uh, there is. I think they they have t- had two videos. Uh, oh, have they? Two yeah. Videos okay. of, of the game, so uh, they might be able to show. Uh, the incident to an appeals committee then, or something yeah. and, and maybe be able to get that overturned I mm. don't know whether then that would mean that the referee would say okay yeah sorry I did make a mistake it wasn't Gary O'Brien it was actually Jimmy Gagan and uh, so I'm going to issue the red card to Jimmy Gagan so it might be just a, a suspension for one player rather than the other um, depending on what way they look at it or the referee might just hold up his hands and say Do you know what it's a mistake there I can't clearly identify who it was so uh, we'll we'll just have to uh, maybe rescind that. But it is it is it's a difficult it's a difficult job for referees. Of really course, it is. is a difficult job. And, 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 and you know, Kevin referred to it's championship football. Yeah, it's highly pressurised. Mistakes are made Mis- by players they as are well. And, in pressurised situations, and and uh, uh, officials are only human as well. But it has to be confirmed yet if a mistake was made. But yeah. uh, Kevin certainly seemed adamant that there was. But so we shall see. We'll watch that with uh, yeah. great and interest. It's. It, I do always laugh at some of the shouting that goes on on the sideline, you know, and you hear lads shouting in over, oh, linesman, do your job, umpire, mm. do your job. It's mm. not a linesman's job. It's not, a linesman in, in Gaelic football isn't like the linesman in soccer. It's not a linesman's job. If he sees a foul or thinks there's a foul in the actual play, it's not his job to wave the flag and say, referee, that's a foul, I think it's a foul. Okay, he can draw the referee's attention to something that happens off the ball, something that he spotted off the ball. But, but the, the, the job of referee in the game is down to the referee. But in not this to case, the did the referee go over to the linesman and say, did you say? It was his umpires, umpires he went into. Yeah, but in other games, I've heard people shouting in, linesman, do your effing job, you know. Yeah, uh, you know, we've uh, all heard that. Yeah. Quite, quite funny, one day I turned around, I was at a game and I heard a fella shouting that in at the linesman and the linesman turned around to the fella in question over the fence and says, uh, I'm a plumber. What do you need? <laughs> you know, okay. so, well, it's a good way. You know, you know he <laughs> underlined the fact he was a volunteer out there doing a job, but it's not a linesman's job to referee the game. No more than it's not an umpire's job to referee the game. I, I said they can call a referee's attention to something that happens off the ball or something that's been said. You know, they they can call a referee's attention to that, but it's not their job to wave a flag and say, "I think that's a foul" or "That should have been a free there, ref. I think you're wrong." Or it's that's the referee's job and, and it has to be solely left at that. Look, we could debate referees and linesmen and the abuse well, that they get, yeah. which is totally, totally unacceptable. The abuse that referees get or anybody gets I at d- games, totally unacceptable. I, I don't know why they do it, to be honest with you, because yeah. of the, you know, you need to be uh, mentally strong, you know, and uh, hard he- hard necked to, yeah. to take that stuff, you know, and uh, we we all hear it, uh, they hear it, but... Um, it, you know, as I say, the well, without them, we'd have no games. Mm. Yeah, as that. absolutely. So without we, them, we'd have no. I games. mean, we, you you watch, you see the game, you see rugby, how referees are respected. Uh, they have to refer to him as sir. Yeah, and, yeah. and it can only be through the captain. 
Okay, you know, uh, well, I, no, I've you seen, do, I've seen do other, hear, I do yeah, see it, do. yeah, but, but, not, but that's not as that, much, That's something yeah, that's creeping yeah. into the game. But uh, I've seen referees talk to captains about that too. Yeah, yeah. So, Some referees don't help their case either. I will, I will well, say that. No, you know, I will, so, won't. You know, there well, still I, should I, be. I see. Uh, Some referees can be. Very small minority, don't get me wrong, but some referees can be quite arrogant and, and go around as if to say, I'm the boss and you must listen to me and I'm never wrong. Some referees, very, very small minority, um, but it, it does happen and that frustrates players and the application of the rules can be very inconsistent and again, that frustrates players. But the players need to be disciplined and management and supporters need to be disciplined enough to say, you know, I can't react in such and such a way to this that it's going to get me in trouble it's going to get my team in trouble and and ultimately it's going to create a poor image of the team in the eyes of the referee well shouting abuse at a referee maybe totally maybe maybe with their families nearby yeah. it won't stop until or other players uh, uh, yeah uh, uh, it won't stop until other people uh, say listen hold on a second G- give them a chance here yeah yeah you know but that's the only way but um you never hear that no. so but other people have to come in and, and say give them a chance He's only human. He makes mistakes. Yeah. And um, as I say, as you said, Fergal, uh, without him, we would have no, yeah, exactly, no football. Exactly. Or but, um, you were at the Champions. You saw the Champions in yes, action Coraha. against, uh, against Coraha yeah. on what night Saturday. was that? Saturday. That was Saturday, Saturday evening, yeah. Evening, yeah. Uh, yes, uh, look, they were expected to win and they did win, what, what five points, wasn't it? One sixteen to 14 points. Yeah. So, you know, they didn't have it easy now. They were only a point ahead early in the second half. Now, they led just about all the way through, uh, but they didn't have it easy, but they relied. Robbie McCarty was the player that stood out for me. You know, he's a player I've admired for quite a few years. He's a very, very good forward, very yeah. cultured left foot. And again... One nine? Yes, he's one of these players that I'm, I'm just wondering... How he's not in the in the in the mead panel? Maybe he's been asked in. Maybe he just didn't want to go in and commit. Uh, you know, we've well, he's a very proud dub. Right. Okay. You know, yeah. He has yeah, won all Ireland under twenty one titles with Dublin as well. So but he's he playing. Might, he's playing for mead club. He's he playing could, for mead club. He yeah. could, he could, if he if he want to advance his career, uh, maybe that's a reason. Maybe not. But uh, there's another player that really impressed me was Jack O'Connor, uh, the young Coraha man. He was yeah. only he's only eighteen. He scored uh, nine points, yeah. Yeah, a very, very impressive performance. Very mature, composed performance from him. You know, he took the freeze as well. And, um, you know, he, he funneled a huge amount of ball. And his pace was something that really stood out for me, as well as that composure, as well as that ability to pick out passes and take scores. So that's a player we certainly keep an eye on, Fergal, because he's, um, you know, we, we need all the, the good players we can get. Yeah, absolutely. But he's, he's certainly one, I'm sure, Andy will become an uh, Andy McEntee's Raider uh, uh, if it's not already there, you know. Yeah, yeah. Another of uh, another one of the better games that I was at at the weekend. We'll fly through these now pretty quick because conscious of time again as well that we don't want to bore people too much, you know. But uh, I want to fly through these pretty quick. You'd so. never do that for nah, Well, I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I'm I've got the cure to insomnia. But um, Nafina taking on St. Column Kills and Trim on Sunday, really hugely entertaining game with the goals proved crucial. Nafina winning three nine to fourteen points. Um, against St. Column Kills. Um, you know, Nafina have some serious firepower. Really have, in, in, potentially, probably one of the best complete forward lines in the senior championship. And players like Shane Walsh, who was outstanding. Connor Downey was very good. Jamie Queenie took a goal superbly. Owen McDonnell got the goal in injury time. Pam, the goal to the net in injury time, which... There were, there were a couple of points up at that stage and that just made sure of the win. 
uh, Ethan Devine of course in with the county he was hugely influential as well um, they really are a strong team there's Sean Martin to come back into the mix did uh, Dan Queenie only came on as a sub did Luke Kelly who came on as a sub who was a promising minor last year with Mead so they really are impressive but it was a cracking game in trim against St. Colm Kills uh, Graham Riley was on fire for St. Colm Kills which is good to see but Dudley Farrell is the manager in Nafina and a quick word of him after the game as well um, and he just alluded to the fact that he was disappointed with how the first half uh, how they'd played in the first half when they had the wind, but he was delighted then with how they turned around the second half. So uh, here's what Dudley had to say after the game. Dudley, it was always uh, expected to be a tight one, and that's how it turned out, but you'd have to be happy with, with the way you finished the game. Yeah, like the first half, we were disappointed the way we played with the wind. We were kind of a half forward, maybe dropped back too much and left a... A long space between our half backs and our half forwards and it was killing us to get our forwards up there. In the second half we kind of more went back to uh, the positional play and attacking from our half back line and it did pay off yeah. and um, the work rate you know these lads are beginning to believe in themselves you know they had a, a year or two that things were dull but there's a good squad of players and there's another four lads to fight for places there for the next round even when you got to uh, 2-8 to 8 ahead then you kind of sat back a little bit in yourselves and they came at you then you would have expected that to happen I suppose <clears throat> for them to come at you well like the thing about it is what I, I, I told them they have to stay in the game for longer periods which they, they weren't doing and I have to say in the second half they did stay in, in the second half for that long period the other team, uh, the kills will always get a, will, they'll always get ten minutes at you. It's us to be able to weather that storm at that stage, and thanks be to God, we did. It's a great start to the championship and, and puts you in a good position now for the next game. Well, I always down the years, you win the first round, it sets you up for the summer. Your, your summer football is secure there, but like you know, you, you can't go on just one win. Let them enjoy tonight, and we'll get back again, and we'll push on again. Yeah, so that was a good start to the championship, as Dudley said there, but uh, it puts them in a good position. One win under their belt. They can look forward to the summer now, but he's determined to, to get the head down and push on and work. That game, of course, was um, was the second game on the bill at Trim on, on Sunday. The first one was uh, Longwood's first appearance in the hunt for Keegan Cup. Yeah, baptism um, of fire, wasn't it? It really was. It, it was a very rude awakening for them. Um and you know what? They started off well. They went into a two-point lead early on. A point of free from Ryan Moore gave them the lead earlier on. And Aaron Ennis was a constant threat. Brilliant player. Really took a few scores well that he that he did get. I think Aaron finished with five points, uh, three from play. And he was very, very impressive for Longwood. But they were just blown out of the water by Ratote. And in particular, young Conal Ahern, who finished with 4-7 to his name. He scored a hat-trick of goals in the first five or six minutes of the second half, which really put the game beyond doubt. And when you think who Ratote were without, you know, they didn't have Keane O'Brien. Of course, Bobby O'Brien hasn't been around a while. Didn't have Eamon or Joey Wallace. Didn't have Brian Power. They were missing an awful lot of players. Brian McMahon was missing as well, of course, from an injury picked up in the league final against Donegal. And to think that they could still go in and rattle in 7-16 to Longwood's 11 points. Yeah, well, they, was, they, ha- a, they have a, con- a conveyor belt of great talent there in recent years. And, yeah, well, they were in um, an under-21 final last year as well, which 
uh, Davy Byrne alluded to again in the post-match interview that I had with Davy. So I'll just play a bit of that for you now and uh, apologise for the quality of the audio. The wind was starting to howl at this stage and, and just outside the dressing rooms in trim. So we'll uh, just hear what Davy had to say here. You'd have to be pleased with that. It was it was probably more comfortable than you might have expected. Yeah, yeah. Well, in fairness, Longwood for long spells in the first half, um, they really put it up to us. It took us a while to get out of the blocks. But uh, look, the Rathout lads have worked hard for the last three or four months. We're bringing it into the into the league and then obviously into the championship. But uh, now very pleased with the with the application, with the effort, um, and then in the second half to push on and and not to uh, not to sit on the lead. It was great to see. Say that very clinical, and they didn't just you know sit back and relax and like that. Must be one of the more pleasing aspects of it because sometimes a team when they get so far ahead can wander like a, like a bad old horse sure yeah yeah well we got it up a bit of momentum in the second half and, and that brings on a bit of confidence uh, so the lads won their individual battles uh, across various aspects of the pitch and um, yeah pleased with the with defensively and offensively and how we done today and young Conal Ahern I think finished with 4-7 by my reckoning to his name it's was it 4-7 it's only that it's yeah, impressive tally yeah really good fair play to Conal he's working really hard um, I know from the under 20s we're getting great news back how he's working hard with them he's back to the club for the games and uh, it shows the hard work he's putting in when you've had a lot of issues I suppose in terms of personnel you've missed some players with injury and this ever but it's not showing it's the strength and depth is good again it's yeah good. yeah well the under eye structure has been really good in the club uh, the coaches is, the coaching has been excellent and um, we got to a county under uh, 21 final last year and, and those young lads made themselves available for the start of the training campaign and uh, a lot of those guys played there today and done really well the strength and depth is, is good in the squad um, looking forward to the more experienced guys coming back in as things progress but uh, really happy today it's probably I know Longwood will probably be looked at by a lot of people as maybe possible whipping boys in the group but it's important to get the job done isn't it absolutely we come into this game full respect to Longwood uh, intermediate champions last year uh, fully deserving of their title they come into senior football it was the first game today they were up for it you could see that in the first 10-15 minutes there was nothing in it with the teams and I suppose a little bit of experience in the end uh, saw obviously was wary of the threat of Longwood going into the game but of course uh, he he was firmly of the belief that their their experience at senior level got them over the line speaking of experience and getting over the line you were at uh, an interesting game in Dunshockland on Sunday afternoon we mentioned it earlier on there was between Summerhill and Dunhamore Ashburn would have been two very realistic contenders for outright honours, Jimmy. How did that one end up? Yeah, well, uh, as people know, Dunmore Ashman won one fifteen to one ten, uh, but Summerhill had a very good first half, and they were in front in, uh, by a point at half time. But uh, I was, you know, a lot of people would would regard uh, Dunmore Ashburn as one of the teams for the championship, and if you saw the way they played in the second half, you would certainly uh, be uh, reinforced in that view because they, they played with a tremendous work ethic and that was what was most impressive uh, Gabriel Bannigan has obviously got the team playing very well um, and believing and uh, did they oh, they're up their game in terms of work rate closing down and pressing and, and they have some very good players as well you know so uh, they they closed out that game very impressively uh, you know so I, I think um, they will they will have to be considered very very strong uh, um. What about Summer Hill? Would you sit? Would you rule them out of contention? Oh after no, what I wouldn't. Saw? I wouldn't, Fergal. No, they didn't play well in the second half, though. Whatever happened to them, they they seem to be a bit overwhelmed by the the, the way in which Dunmore Ashburn upped their intensity and closed them down and gave them less uh, time to pass and move. Uh, so Summer Hill, no, you, you can't rule them out. But uh, um, you know, th this was this was a certain blow because it was 
playing against the top one of the top teams in the in the county in the championship and they weren't able for the intensity in the second half okay. whether that's a fitness issue uh organization or whatever but i think declan mccabe has a bit of a job there now to get them back on on track for the in the next round okay um one of the other another game we'll have a quick look at was screen and saint pat's uh, neither of us were at that one but uh by all accounts from the report in the paper it was a game that won't live long in the memory uh, screen emerging with a 12 points to nine victory over St. Pat's. Paddy O'Rourke leading the charge for screen with nine points, eight from freeze. I believe Kieran Lennon was hugely influential for screen as well. Um, for St. Pat's, Donald Landy and Shane Landy shared six points between them, and Niall Mooney had two points. But um, you know, it's it's going to be difficult for St. Pat's to stay out of relegation danger. They were involved in the relegation playoff last year. Screen after a disappointing start to the league will just be happy to get up and running and get their campaign off to a winning start. Uh, one of the first games of the weekend, or it was actually on, on Thursday night, so uh, of midweek, one of the first games of the championship was Gail Collum kill against Dunshockland, uh, I believe in awful weather in screen on Thursday night. But despite the weather, they both produced a brilliant game, seemingly with with Gail Colum Kill emerging with a 111 to 13 point victory over Dunshockland. Maybe Gail Colum Kill would have been expected to have won that game a little bit more comfortably. But Dunshockland with uh, Matthew Costello, who was, of course, the Mead Minor captain last year and uh, the Meads uh, Chronicle Young Sportsperson of the Year um, for tw- for last year as well, <coughs> made his senior championship debut for Dunshockland, scoring seven points, three of them from play. Um, so they were quite impressive Dunshockland and yeah. uh, they will they will cause will get a win or two I think in this year's championship yeah I, I, one of the things that struck me or the, the games that I saw Fergal was the quality of the football you mentioned there one of the it was a classic game was, uh, was it screen uh, was it uh, no that wasn't sorry, the classic uh, uh, yeah but Nafina Nafina you're saying Kills. it was a very good quality match and that's something that struck me as well Um you know, that's, it's very good game, very good quality football. I'm wondering, you know, uh, surely it's a good sign that, you know, can can we yeah, well, it's good. not get more players, f- you know, that it's for good. the so team. often, So often uh, the early stages of the championship can be, you know, lacking in intensity and turgid sort of affairs. But I think with the fact that three teams are going to be relegated from the senior championship this year and, and the bottom two in each group going to be dragged into a relegation playoff, that's added a little bit of extra bite to the game, even the Manalvi Rakeni game on um on Saturday in screen. One sided it appeared. You know, it, yeah, it was one sided, but uh, you know, Killian O'Sullivan got two three from Manalvi and they won three twelve to nine against Rakeni. Rakeni were disappointing. There's no getting away from it. They were disappointing and again it's hard to see how they can improve significantly to avoid staying out of that bottom two, especially some very tough games coming up. Well, you think Killian O'Sullivan was hugely influential, 2-3 for them. But David McLaughlin came on as a sub as well late on, still recovering from injury. He scored 1-2 as well. So Manalvi have plenty of options in attack and, and will cause a problem or two going ahead into the championship and looking forward to that. I think that's all the games, Jimmy, that we covered, of course, um, that were played in the senior championship. Simonson Wolf Tones, unfortunately, had to be postponed due to tragic circumstances uh, there for for Ina Tobin and our sympathies go to the family there, but uh, that game has been refixed against Wolf Tones for Friday night. Um, I'm not hundred sh- percent sure of the venue, but it's been refixed for Friday night anyway. Um, 
Just a quick rundown through the uh, intermediate results there, Jimmy. We mm. Ballon Lock seventeen points, Drumbarrow one thirteen. Yeah, I, I mean, Drumbarrow were ten points ahead. I think yeah, at one yeah. stage in that game, it seems to be, that seems to have been a remarkable game too. You know, Susan Farrell, who sent in the Ballon Lock report, was uh, her, as she said, she needed a few brandies after the game to steady her hand. It was so exciting, one of the most exciting games she's ever seen. I think uh, Patter Byrne had a huge influence in that game. He scored ten points. Right. Uh, scored one in the first half I think got nine then in the second half I think Padder was hugely influential in launching that comeback so it seemed to have been a classic and a lot of tight games as well Mead Hill won nine Kilmainham nine points I think Mead Hill had to come from behind in that one as well Nobber uh, 12 points uh, sorry Nobber won nine Oldcastle 12 points under a draw um, of course great sadness in the Nobber club again last night with the news of the passing of George Kellett our sympathies go to Nobber Club and the family there as well. Um, in on Friday night, Trim and Balnebracky played out a, a very tight and close game with Trim winning one ten to one eight. Balnebracky had beaten Trim by four points in the first round of championship last year, so good for Trim to to get over that one and get off to a win and start. Cat St Michael's Bective was supposed to be a rip roaring contest. St Michael's won four twelve to Bective's four nine. Probably the most, the two more one-sided games of the weekend saw Castletown beating Sidden, one sixteen to one seven, and Dulic Belliestown uh, beating the junior champions Dunboyne by one twenty one to one eight. Dunderry also had a comfortable enough type of win, although you know they needed the goals to get them the two fourteen to thirteen point win over Walterstown. While Blackhall Gales got their bid to return to senior football. Uh, Quick sharp off to a, an imp- a good start with uh, Alan Nestor, inspiring them to a one eight to one six win over Dunmore Ashburn. Yeah, the, the Castletown really, yeah, they, they seem to be a team really on the on a roll yeah. at the moment. You know, they're doing very well. They're doing very well in the league and uh, six oh six in that, the league. And, and that seven. that was an impressive victory because Sydney, as we know, they're. They're in the division. Well, they're operating in Division One, one. yeah. Do you, you know, so but but yeah, momentum, Jimmy, thought, has to be a huge thing. You know, they've no wins in Division One and struggling there. Castletown are flying high at the top of Division Three. You, you it's very difficult to break momentum. But um, I, but in terms of the standard uh, of opposition, standard of opposition playing, you would yeah. think that Sidden. Uh, but that, I mean, you know, it was a very impressive uh, result there for them. Yeah. So. Just a quick fly through the uh, the junior championship as well. Again, a lot of close games here. St. Ultons won 10, Moila won 8. Uh, Beliver shocking Karna Ross, really, in, in my opinion. I know Beliver are a bit of an unknown quantity. Yeah, well, I wouldn't you, say it was a shock now, Fergal, because uh, Beliver, of course, were semi finalists yeah, last year, you know, as well. As were uh, Ross, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah and but tipped by many to, to go on and win it. But Beliver are a bit like a bag of rebels. You just never know what you're going to get when you. When you sit down and you go to watch them, if they're hurlers, they're Kalyan and Kildaki hurlers. A lot of players come from those two clubs. If they're if they're involved and in the game, they can be a real good threat. And uh, stunned Carneros there. I think they were always well clear. It was only a late rally from Carneros that that tightened the margin up to three points in the end. Mm. Uh, Minolti one ten, Clonard two seven. That's a draw match. Another really close game. Cortown. I think Davy Rissman inspiring Cortown there to a one ten to 10 point victory over Kilmain and Wood another game with only one score between them Dunsany I would see this as a bit of a shock as well although they'd probably claim otherwise Dunsany won 10 St Vincent's 11 yeah, points considering where, what St Vincent's achieved last season yeah. you know that is they were in the final yeah. last year yeah and well, it was a surprise uh, but again yeah. another one score game you know 110 was 13 points to St Vincent's 11 only, only 2 points in it 
Uh, Clannagale had had five points to spare over St Bridget's, one fourteen to one nine, um, and in the the battle of the second teams then in Group C, Centrestown fourteen points, Navanamatnies one nine, and Screen one seven, Dunshockland one six. Another of the huge big results of the weekend, I suppose as well. We we, well we when I say we, I mean I wrote off Boards Mill as kind of also runs for the Junior B Championship but they came out and uh, I believe that they, they might have had the Chronicle stuck on the wall to try and motivate the players before their game wouldn't be the Slane. first team to do that no yeah. no no but uh, a huge big win for them to beat Slane 4-10 to 2-8 and lost Slane, Slane are one of the favourites yeah yeah but Slane Kilbride from Conrad would be expected to be there thereabouts for the Junior Championship and we were kind of writing off everybody else but it's a, a huge win for Boards Mill in that uh, in that group and really puts them in, in with a big shout now qualifying for the knockout stages and again a bit like Beliver if they get the hurlers fit they're more renowned as a, as a hurling club there in Boards Mill but if they get the hurlers fit and flying the some very talented footballers involved there as well I see James Ash made his debut for Boards Mill and, and was very impressive for them so future is bright for Boards Mill and as you said what was even more impressive was the uh, the quality of the football, and a lot of it was very, very good. You uh, speaking of quality, or, or maybe the lack of, you were in Ballerie's Gold on Saturday for Navin's clash with Dolphin in the All Ireland League Division Two A. Navin, of course, now secured our place in the playoffs, but the lack of quality of Dolphin must have been yeah. horrific, considering eighty-three-seven. Eighty-three-seven. Yeah, I, I mean it was. I, uh, but <laughs> I know the Dolphin are were safe coming up to the match, so it, but you, I still expect that's a famous club. Like Dolphin are, are Michael Kiernan, yeah, you know, uh, your age. Uh, Terry yeah. Kingston, players yeah. like that. Still showing your age, Jimmy? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, no, not really. <laughs> I, I read that in Google. There, oh, right, okay, yeah. uh, so players like that, you know, they've they've a massive tradition in 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 rugby and Irish rugby over the years. Uh, an old club to play out in Musgrave Park. And uh, you know, to, to put up a performance like that, it, it must have been. It's it's a sports it's a sign. I was talking to one of their officials before the game, and they are struggling. They are struggling for players, or they, or they were anyway. And they slipped. They were many years in Division One, but they're slipping down. It was an indication of how things can change for a club. You know, uh, I'm sure they they did their best to try and sustain underage structures there over the years, but. Uh, I mean, uh, as one of the officials said, when t- t- when a slide starts in a club, players start to disappear. Yeah. And that's, um, you know, some players maybe move off elsewhere. And that's, that. Uh, I think that applies across the board. That's that word momentum again. We well, momentum, about, yeah, it? yeah. It but it was really a, 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 puts Navin a real morale booster for Navin going into the uh, playoffs. Looks like they're going to be playing Cashel. But it was also a proud day for Brian McKeever and notched up his 100th appearance, senior appearance for Navin. That's remarkable. Yeah, Brian is a great player, a great guy, um, you know, and uh, he's uh, a great club man. He's also got another remarkable record in the sense that he played in all four divisions in the AIL before it's restructured now, but it, but he played in in various divisions in the AIL. He, you know, so he played in, in Dublin he's as well. Captain Navin to back to back promotions. Captain Navin, and he's a real uh, leader in the sense that he he. He he drives them on. He's the one of those players who break the gain line, constantly pushing them on. And a nice and way to mark his one hundredth appearance. What a way, yeah, what a way to get a hat trick. Hat trick of tries and uh, great lad and uh, a great club man. Good stuff. You, know. you were busy, Jimmy. You were busy at the weekend. You were at the Leinster Football Association's Leinster Junior Shield semi final. Uh, you're wondering who from Mead was playing in that. 
Screen Tara, uh, they, they hosted up in, the, in their fine pitch up in uh, Ross Cross uh, Straffan AFC. And uh, Screen Tara, unfortunately, they didn't really play to their true potential at all. They didn't show up. Screen Tara, they, they don't play in the, in the North East Football League anymore. They've gone to the amateur a- AUL, uh, the Athletic Union League, uh, rather. And um, uh, so because of the summer soccer, they feel that, you know, because of the the demands of Gaelic football in the screen area and so on and that the demand hurling indeed outside it and uh, that they, they just couldn't fulfil the summer soccer schedule so they've, they've moved to the Athletic Union League they lost that match to Straffan 1-0 uh, I think they, you know they, they just didn't play on the day it was at a, you know they had, a, they had the pitch in, in, in great shape the ground in great shape and it's a lovely ground but uh, uh, but they're doing well in the in their division in the a- a- AUL and um, no doubt we'll, we'll, they'll be back. But to get into the semi-final of the Leinster Junior Shield is quite an achievement. Just sticking with the soccer team as well, Jimmy. A uh, big night in the Aviva on Friday night. Um, That's Liverpool good. legends taking on the Republic of Ireland legends for uh, the great cause of uh, Sean Cox Fund. Yeah, um, you, you'll have your Liverpool I'll get my uh, Liverpool flag and, and, and Republic scarf of Ireland jerseys on me yet that day up in the press box. Yeah, of course. Uh, it's it, and w- you know we we understand that Sean himself is going to be there, so that's going to add a huge uh, extra dimension to the occasion. The fundraising exercise goes on, and uh, you know we need we need to to support him as much as we can. And uh, yeah, well, there are that promises to be a great. Occasion. I mean, some of the players, you, you all, uh, John Aldridge is one of the players oh, no, and, yeah, that I, I always rem- admired greatly as an you know in his day. He was a brilliant uh, striker. Uh, and gave a hundred ten percent, as they say in soccer. To so a few legends going to line out for both sides. I believe Aldridge, Ronnie Whelan, McAteer, Robbie Keane, Phil Babb are going to play a half for both teams. So a half for Liverpool and a half for the Republic of Ireland. And of course, the Republic of Ireland are going to be managed by Mick McCarthy and uh, Kenny Douglas going to take charge of the Liverpool legends. So it's sure to be a great night in the Aviva. There are still tickets available, lads. It's only twenty quid to go and you know it's a, it's to support a great cause but not just are you supporting a great cause you're going to get a great night's entertainment these boys can still play football let me tell you your Steve McManamans and and uh, Robbie Fowlers and Ian Rushes are all going to be involved and it's going to be uh, it's going to be a cracking game and, and these boys can still still kick a ball around and, and will provide plenty of entertainment and it will be great to see Sean there um, hopefully him and his family can enjoy the occasion as well it's been a an extremely tough year for them. Um, Jimmy, we're just nearing the end of the show there. The Mead ladies uh, had, a, had a mixed weekend. The under-14s won the Leinster title with a 6-11 to 9-point victory over Dublin, which is a remarkable turnaround considering they conceded six goals against Dublin in the early mm. round of the championship, but turned around when it mattered most and are now the Leinster under-14 champions, which is brilliant for them and, and well done to them. The seniors lost 116 to 19 to down in the last round of the National Football League Division 3 but it mattered little Mead were already top of the league and guaranteed a, a semi-final spot against the fourth place team so they will play Longford now in the National League semi-final on Easter Sunday the 21st of April we believe not confirmed yet it could be the Saturday but we believe it's going to be on the Sunday the 21st uh, so it's, there's another busy few weeks ahead not much happening on the club scene in GA next week Um on Sunday, the Mead Minor girls are playing Kildare again. Both teams are through to the Leinster final, uh, so it'll kind of be a nothing game. But it'll be a chance for both teams to have a look at their panel. So, um, O'Mahony, sorry, that Wolton Simonson game is going to be played in Navan O'Mahony's on Friday night. 
so that is a senior championship game and a couple of junior championship games on as well so not a whole lot on next weekend but still enough that if, if you're hungry for football there's still plenty for you to get out there and see Absolutely, plenty of action to be played, you know, but uh, we, we, we shall see. Uh, Navin under-18s are also there in an All-Ireland, in rugby, uh, in, rugby, in the, an All-Ireland um, final. They're playing Skibbereen and Mullingar at three o'clock. It's a huge what achievement. What uh, Saturday. Um, I mean, the Navin on the 20s won the All-Ireland there some years ago, but the under-18s, uh, this is a chance for them. It's, it's a sign of the good work going on in the club, and that's at three o'clock, so plenty of uh, supporters will, be, will travel for that, I'm sure. Jimmy, thanks a million. Thank you very good. You have been listening to the Me Chronicle Sports Podcast, Talk a Good Game. Uh, feel free to send us any comments uh, on Twitter at Mead Sports or email myself here at fergal.lynch at meadchronicle.ie. Thanks for joining us and we'll talk to you next week. We've been trying to talk a good game. Yeah.